in, at Rochester Christian Church, we always start the year with a season of prayer and fast. And, and Kent and I have joined with the church in this season. And, but it's not just Rochester Church. This is something that has been just a passion of mine, my, my Christian walk. And I think it's just this, this desire to give God my first fruits of my year, the, the beginning of the year, to seek him deeper through fasting, through prayer, through more time spent with him, seeking him, just like the song. The more you seek him, the more you find him. The more you find him, the more you love him. The more you know him. And so that was my heart to share with you today. So this thing called the yada factor, the yada, this is on your sheet. I just want to define this word. It's a Hebrew word, so it's an Old Testament word. And the word yada means to know God, to recognize him, and to acknowledge him. To know him in a very personal way. To know him through experience or an encounter. To, oh my goodness, to have a relationship where you talk to him, you pray, you seek him, and you see the result. I remember all of those years ago when I prayed and asked, asked him to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life. I didn't feel anything that day. I mean, I didn't have this, this lightning bolt or anything, but this is what happened. I saw evidence of my salvation through the next week, two weeks, three weeks, month, two months, because I started to see God in my life. I started to recognize him in different things that were happening because I was diagnosed with stage four cancer when I met God. So I started to see him in different events, different ways that my path was being directed. Um, uh, reports of the doctor that were starting to shift against all odds. He caught my attention. And it was evidence for me of him. It was evidence of his faithfulness. I was coming to know him. I was coming to have a relationship with him. I was recognizing him and then acknowledging him, saying, God, was that you? Was that you again? And here and there and the next place, I kept seeing him everywhere. Never seen that. I'd never noticed that before. I believe that was part of coming to know him. Yada means to perceive, to understand, to distinguish, to acquire knowledge. It means to be familiar with, to grow in this knowing through encounter, through experience. And that word yada, this, this one just blew me away. When I started to look at what that word meant, it's the same word that is used in the Bible for a man and a woman knowing each other and conceiving a child. That's about as intimate as it comes. That's how we know God in a, in a union, fellowship, abiding one in the other. God is in me. That's what the Bible says. And I am in him. I am in Christ. Knowing in a very intimate way. So I'm going to start with a couple of scriptures where, where the, the writer of the scripture is talking about this knowing God and how this is connected to receiving from God. 
So here's Philippians 1, verses 8 and 9. This is the Apostle Paul. Listen to what he says. He says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Everything else is worthless. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Paul says nothing else mattered. And in this scripture, he's talking about his past because he had worked himself up as a Pharisee of Pharisees, as very high in the religious lifestyle. And he threw that all away. He said, all of that, none of that's important compared to knowing Christ. This next scripture is... Um, Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Listen to this. Peter is writing, the apostle Peter, and he says, yes. Oops, I need to go to the next slide. Can't you go to the next slide, honey? Thank you. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Right there is a bonus. Peter's praying, may I have more grace and peace. What is it you're going through? I don't know about you, but in those times of turmoil, tribulation, peace is so very powerful. Grace, those unmerited favors, those unmerited um, uh, manifestations of the goodness of God. And Peter says that's what the result is. May you have more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and of Christ Jesus our Lord. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need in order to live a godly life. And we have received all of this. We have received everything we need by coming to know him, the one who called himself, who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. So look at this. It says that we have received these treasures, the grace, the peace, the everything we need to live a godly life. We've received that through coming to know him. There is a connection. There is a connection between coming to know God and receiving his grace, his peace. The fullness of Jesus said, I came to give life and a life of abundance. There's a connection between knowing him and receiving. But the flip side is also true. If we have wrong knowledge, if we have misconceptions or misperceptions of God, it could mean not receiving the everything that we need. And there are a lot of misconceptions out there. Now, I started when I was sharing a little bit about Dorothy's testimony with this scripture, Proverbs um, 23, verse 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. When we receive in our heart, when, we have, when it has become part of us, Jesus is part of my heart. The knowledge that he wants us well is, I, I, I'm convinced. I know his faithfulness. I know his word. I trust his word. It's part of my heart. As I think, so am I. 
there are misperceptions out there. And some of those misperceptions are very deeply ingrained in our hearts. For example, this is a big one. Is it God's will to heal or isn't it? It's maybe, this is a misperception. This, I'm, I'm going to come right out and say this is a misperception. Many people think it's not always God's will to heal. Many people and, and churches and Christian churches teach that God can heal, but they don't teach according to the word like I do that it is his will to heal. And it's not just my opinion. It's not just my interpretation. It's what the Bible says. But that's not taught in a lot of churches. That's not taught in a lot of mainstream Christianity. Here's another misperception. Sickness is given or allowed to teach us something. That is a misperception. Jesus never did that. Jesus never said, this has been given to you to teach you something. And Jesus is a perfect reflection of his father. So that was told to me when I was diagnosed with stage four cancer the first time. In fact, my prayer partner that I pray with every day, she's the one that said it. She said, Cindy, this was given to you because God was teach wanted to teach you something. Because Karen didn't know. I didn't know. But the thing is, when we have those misperceptions, and when those are, when those are resident here in my heart, how can I believe for healing? If I believe God's teaching me something, how can I believe for manifestation of healing? How can I believe, if I don't know if it's his will to heal me, how can I believe and have faith for healing? So as you think in your heart, so you become. So there are these misperceptions that, that can keep us from receiving, and it has to do with knowing the truth about God truly knowing God and his word. Here's another issue. Doing is not knowing. One of the biggest problems that we see in the body of Christ is we learn the mechanics of how Christianity works. We learn all the things to do. And many times we try to put them into practice without really knowing God. And those mechanics of Christianity don't enable us to receive the benefits. What enables us to receive the benefits is knowing God himself. So the works, the religiosity, the checking things off your list. I remember when Jenny was talking to me about Jesus the first time, and she was asking me about my relationship with Jesus. And I said, well, I'm a good person. I haven't you know, broken any of the, the, the big commandments. I'm, I, you know, I, I go to church every Sunday. I was giving her a list of my works. And I didn't know him. And she was asking me if I knew him. She was asking me if I had a relationship with him. And that was my response. So those actions, they're good with Jesus. Apart from knowing Jesus, we are, we are um, not putting ourselves in that position to receive everything that he has for us. Let me say this again. It's in your notes. The fruit, the benefits of Christian life comes out of really knowing God. It's not out of works. It comes out of really knowing God. 
being religious doesn't mean that you know God personally. Knowing about God doesn't mean that you know God personally. That's where I was for the first 43 years of my life. I was religious and I knew all about God. Here's another extreme. Having a lot of intellectual knowledge about God doesn't mean you know God. So you can go to Bible study after Bible study after Bible study and, and you know, learn the history of the Bible and learn the stories in the Bible. You can go so far as having a degree, going to the seminary, going to, getting a theology degree, and still not know God personally. You got a lot of intellectual knowledge, but that doesn't equate to heart knowing. That's why I'm sharing this, because this is in, it's huge in your walk with God. It's huge in, your, in receiving the fullness of the promises. So before I teach about how, how to do it, how to come to know God, I want to share a promise that God has awakened in my heart. You may agree, you may have the same promise in your heart. It's a Psalm 91, uh, a piece of Psalm 91. But this particular part, the last two verses, have just changed everything for me. God awoke this in my heart several years ago. And then last year when I was in the middle of my journey, my healing journey, this came alive in such a beautiful way that I've never been the same. So I'm going to read it first from the Bible, and then I'm going to read my paraphrase. That's what I put in your note was my paraphrase. And I'm just going to tell you what God has awakened in my heart about knowing God, knowing him, and the promises that he has for me as a result of me knowing him personally. So let me read this first. Because he has set his love upon me, or you could put a she if you're a girl, God says to me, because she has set her love upon me, therefore I will deliver her. I will set her on high because she knows and understands my name, has a personal knowledge of my mercy, love, and kindness, trusts and relies on me, knowing I will never forsake her. No, never. She shall call upon me, and I will answer her. I will be with her in trouble. I will deliver her and honor her. With long life will I satisfy her and show her my salvation. So I took this scripture. I love Psalm 91. And while I was in the midst of my, my healing journey, I was taking chemotherapy and immunotherapy. And as you guys know, with cancer treatment, there can be a lot of um, things that are detrimental just in the treatment, let alone the cancer. And the whole time that I was going through that journey, this psalm of protection was my lifeline because I needed protection. So... The last two verses, or the last verses that I just read, there's really two sections. And on the personal paraphrase that I gave you on your sheet, the first part is the importance of our knowing him, yada. Our personally knowing him. And then where it says one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, those are seven benefits that come from knowing him. So here's the first part. And I put my name in here because it's personal to me, but you can put your name in the blank as well. So God said to me, he said, Cindy, because you have set your love upon me, 
because you know and understand my name, because you have a personal knowledge of my mercy, love, and kindness, because you trust and rely on me, knowing I will never forsake you, no, never. Therefore, hold, hold your thought, hold that right there. God is saying, Cindy, he says this to you. You know me. You have a personal relationship with me. You trust me. You rely on me. You know my name. You know I am Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. You know I'm Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. You know that I'm Jehovah Jireh, the God that, that provides for you. You know I'm your protector. You know me. And Cindy, because you know me, I'm going to deliver you. Here comes the promises. I'm going to deliver you. That word deliver means rescue. And, and God spoke to me. Again, this was my journey. This was my personal journey. He said, Cindy, watch me deliver you from cancer again. You just watch. Because you know me, I will deliver you. And then he said, and I will set you on high. And then this is what he specifically told me about that. He said, come, Cindy. Sit at my right hand in Christ while I make your enemy your footstool reduced under your power. He spoke that to me one day. That's scriptural, by the way. That's in Ephesians chapter 1. We know that Christ has been ascended into heaven and that he sits at the right hand of God where God has made the enemy his footstool. We know that. That's scriptural. But in Ephesians 1, it says that we are in Christ. We are seated in Christ at the right hand of God. And God said, Cindy, I'm setting you on high. He said, come. You see, we got to know where we are. We have to know our position in order to stand in my authority so I can speak to Dorothy's body and tell her lungs to work. In order for me to be able to do that, I have to know my authority. And God said, Cindy, come up here. Come up here. You reside in Christ. And I'm going to make that enemy your footstool, reduced under your authority, reduced under your power, your dominion. And then the promises go on. You shall call upon me and I will answer you. These are your promises too, if you choose to come to know him. He says, I will honor you. With long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation, show you the fullness of my salvation. And guys, that's been manifested in my life. I'm healed, I'm whole, I'm strong. My body, I had cancer in 14 bones of my body. I had pain so bad, I couldn't, I did stand here, because when the anointing was here, I could. But as soon as I was done teaching, I was taking, you know, extra strength Tylenol and ice packs and hot pads all the time because I was in so much pain. No more. My body's healed. My body's strong. My bone marrow is perfect. My blood is perfect. My bones are perfect. My lymph nodes are perfect. There was cancer in all those areas. No more. He said, with long life will I satisfy you, Cindy, and I will show you my salvation. That promise is for those who know God personally. So let's talk about how do we come to know God more. I'm going to share two scriptures, just two, one Old Testament, one new, about this yada factor. But before I do, let me just say this. We don't need to make it 
difficult. I would say the best way to know God is to just show up. Just show up. I'll never forget Jenny that day that she asked me if I knew God, and I gave her the, you know, the whole litany of, you know, I'm a good person, this, that, or anything, the next thing. That day, she prayed with me to invite Jesus into my life. And this is what she said to me. She said, Cindy, spend time with God every day. Read the Bible and pray. That changed my life. Because for the first time in my life, I started to set aside time to spend with God. And that's how my knowing God started. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know how to read the Bible. Because all I'd ever done was memorize prayers in church. I had never talked to God. I didn't realize you could just talk to him. See, in my life before I came to know God, God was very distant. He didn't feel up close and personal. He felt like a distant God. But suddenly everything changed. And when I was sitting in my prayer chair, telling God what was on my heart, letting him love me, praising him, spending a lot of time just worshiping him, praising him, talking to him. Everything changed. That's when that completeness started to come in and take up residence in my heart. I started reading the Bible, and Jenny gave me a little bit of direction. She said, start in the New Testament. So I started in the Gospels, and she gave me a bunch of healing scriptures to read. She said, read these over and over and expect the same thing in your life. And so that's what I did. And every time I would read the Bible and I didn't understand it or I had questions, I'd go to Jenny. I'd say, I don't get this part. And she would teach me from the scripture. She would explain it to me and and teach me from the word of God itself. So I started reading the Bible. I started having a, a prayer life for the first time ever. I started loving, I didn't even know there was such a thing as praise and worship music. And I started falling in love with singing. I love to sing anyway. But singing to God and worshiping and praising him. So that's kind of how I started. I just showed up. But let me read these two scriptures, and we're going to talk about them. The first one, the Old Testament scripture, is Proverbs 3, 6. Pretty familiar scripture. The Bible says, In all your ways, know, recognize, and acknowledge him. And... He will direct and make straight and plain your paths. So the words that are underlined, that's the Hebrew word yada. One Hebrew word, yada, has been expanded to know, recognize, and acknowledge him. Know him personally. Know him, and this is is so important, in all your ways. God desires us to let him be part of our life in every part of our life. So when I was first diagnosed and I first started to know Jesus, my, my, I, was, I had a tunnel vision. My only area that I was seeking him in was healing. But he's so amazing. He meets us right where we're at. So I came seeking healing and I found a whole lot more. I found the healer. I found the goodness of God in Jesus. But the only thing I was giving him in my life was my need for healing. It says in all your ways. I was only giving him one little tunnel of my life. 
was this area of healing. But he showed up. He started taking care of me. He gave me a peace. I'll never forget when that fear lifted and the peace came. I still had cancer, still had stage four cancer, still doing all the medical visits and everything that went with it. But instead of that heavy, 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 suffocating fear, I had peace. He was showing up. He was giving me uh, 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 evidence of his faithfulness and his goodness. But what I realized after, after I you know, grew in my walk was that God didn't want just that area. He didn't want just a piece of me. He wanted all of me. The next thing that I remember um, surrendering to him was my career. Sally knew me as a, a learning consultant in the dis- school district, and I was so all into my job. I was, I was a workaholic, and it was like everything to me. If I would have prioritized my life before Jesus, that would have been at the top. My job was number one before Jesus came into my heart. So I realized I needed to give God lordship over that because it was an idol in my life. And then one thing after another, I need God in every area of my life. I need him to be a good grandma. I'm a grandma now. Praise you, Jesus. I need him to be a good mama, to be a good wife. I need him in every area. I need him like crazy to be standing here right now. It's him. It's not me. It's him in me. I need to let him have lordship and let him take care of me. And how does that come? Through acknowledging him through knowing him personally in this part of my life. So when I'm at home, guys, what you see here is a result of my knowing God personally at home, by myself, in my prayer room, praising and worshiping, studying the word, preparing to give to you what he gives to me to give to you. What you see isn't here and now. It's a result of knowing him. And he wants us to know him, recognize him, acknowledge him in every single facet of our lives. And then there's a, a, a promise, another promise. This is he'll direct and make straight and plain our paths. He'll direct. The word direct is yashar. And it means to make straight, to make smooth, to make right, to make plain. I love it when he takes over. And you know what? I've come to expect it and to depend on it, and to say, okay, God, how are we going to do this? Because I don't know. And I just wait and let him direct my paths. I could give you so many stories about how he has done that in my life. And notice it says there's an S on the word paths. Because whether I'm being grandma, whether I'm being, uh, you know, having all my kids home for Christmas, whether I'm here preaching and teaching, whether I'm on my my, um, FaceTime like I was this afternoon having one-on-one ministry, for inner healing, whatever it is. I want God to be in control. And he directs every single path in our life. In the Passion Translation, the same scripture says, become intimate in him in whatever you do, and he will lead you wherever you go. So, let me summarize that Old Testament scripture. Let God in Let God be part of every part of your life. Pray about everything. Seek him about every facet of your life. Trust him. Let him take care of you. And 
every facet of your life, he'll direct everything, every area. That's really good news. You don't have to be in control. He doesn't want you in control. And it's so much easier when he takes over. Here's the New Testament scripture. 1 John chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. I love this one. We have come to know by personal observation and experience and have believed with deep, consistent faith the love that God has for us. Before we go on, let's look at the, that first line. We have come to know. That word, come to know, is the New Testament equivalent of yada. The yada factor. It's the Greek word gnosko. And it means the same thing as yada. It means to know personally through experience. It's not intellectual knowledge. It's not religiosity. It's not knowing about God. It is personally, intimately knowing him. And it's used the same way in the New Testament in that, um, in that very intimate way whether a man and a woman knows each other and becomes one and even conceives the miracle of new life in the process. That's the kind of knowing that this is talking about. And it says, we have come to know and have believed that God is love, that God loves me. I can say that. I have come to know through experience, and I believe that I'm loved by God. But that truth can extend to any of the amazing inherent attributes of our God. I Excuse me. I have come to know and believe that Jesus is my healer. I have come to know and I believe that he cares about me. I have come to know and I believe that I'm righteous, not because of who I am, but because of what Jesus did for me. I have come to know and I believe that I am reconciled unto the Father and I can at any time come boldly and confidently before the throne of grace to accept his mercy and his grace. I have come to know. And why? Because I know God. Because I know his word. I know through experience all of these things I'm talking about. I've been healed. I, I, I have a, 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 you know, a face-to-face relationship with him. I believe him. I have come to know and believe the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides continually in him. In this union and fellowship with him, love is completed and perfected within us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment with assurance and boldness to face him because as he is, so are we in this world. There's a few words in there that help me to teach you about coming to know God. There's the word abide. Abide. It says abide in God and let him abide in you. Abide means dwell permanently. Dwell permanently. Abide in him and let him abide in you. It says to fellowship with him. 
and come in union with him. Our granddaughter, we've been um, watching her quite a bit. She's seven months old, just turned seven months old. And I was just telling Kent, she is a different little girl in my house than she is anywhere else. She is so filled with peace and um, happy, happy, happy. Not that she's not a good baby. She is a good baby. But she never fusses in my house. And she sleeps like crazy. And I don't have to put her down and let her cry. I don't put her down asleep. When I know she's tired, I lay her down. And she goes right to sleep. And she sleeps all night. And in the morning, I get her up and, um, you know, play with her and take care of her and all. And then I see she's getting tired. And I lay her back down and she... And it's like, why? Why? Because I abide in God. I believe. And he abides in me and my home and in grandma and in grandpa. And there's just something that she senses. I, I, maybe I'm overly, you know, looking or reading something into it. But God says... Abide in me and let me abide in you. I believe that is key in coming to know God is this abiding. And then in my Bible, this scripture, the title, there's a little heading, and this is what it says, the consummation of love. I love that. So we know what consummation is in a marriage. It's when that man and woman for the very first time come together intimately and their, their marriage is consummated. So we're talking now about the consummation of us with God. So the consummation of God's love and every one of his promises comes through union and fellowship with him. Through experience, through encounter, through coming to know him. And just as when a man and woman consummate their love, there is the potential to conceive. The same thing happens with the consummation with us and God. There is the potential for the seed of the promise of God to be conceived in your heart through your union and your communion with him, through your fellowship with him, through your intimacy with him. There's the potential for that seed to be implanted in your heart and for you to get pregnant with the promise I love that teaching, pregnant with a promise. But it's not, you, I mean, you don't go, a lady who gets pregnant doesn't go from a seed to a baby overnight. She goes from that seed to that baby growing, that promise growing, being incubated, being nurtured with good care and good feeding. And over time, in a natural pregnancy, that baby grows full term and then is delivered. God says that's for us, through this fellowship, through this knowing him, the promise of healing. When you take it in, feed your heart, talk to God, pray, seek him, let his promises of healing take up residence in there. Come to know him in that area, in all your ways, come to know him and he'll direct your paths and just watch. 
You see, there is a direct connection between faith and knowing God. There is a direct relationship between your faith to receive and knowing God more and more and more. That's why I'm teaching about knowing him. And it's really hard to disbelieve God when you know him. That's a complete flip. We're always talking about faith because God's part is grace. It's done. He paid the price 2,000 years ago. Healing is one of our benefits, but our part to receive it is faith. So we're always talking about faith to believe. Today I'm connecting knowing God with faith. But listen to this. It's hard to disbelieve when you know God. Let me give you a natural example. I've been married to Kent for 42 and a half years, and I know him really, 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 really well. And because I know him so well, he is so, he loves me so much. And he is so faithful, compassionate, caring, helpful. He's just an amazing husband. I know I brag on him all the time, but, but I have a good reason to. He's a great, great man. If somebody, even somebody very close to me, like my sister or my best friend, if somebody, like my sister or my best friend, came to me and told me that my husband no longer loves me and that he is not being faithful, there is no way I would believe them. No way. Even if it was my sister, even if it was my best friend, I would not believe them. Why? Because I know my husband. And he is proven his faithfulness to me and his love for me over 42 and a half years. The same is true with knowing God. When you know God and you know his promises, and they're so settled in here, like Dorothy, when she was in that hospital on death's doorstep, you couldn't tell her that God wasn't good. You couldn't tell her it wasn't God's will to heal. It didn't matter what the oxygen numbers were. It didn't matter what her body felt like. And she walked out of that and into healing. I walked out of cancer and into healing a year ago, knowing God's will, knowing his word, knowing his faithfulness. You couldn't get me to disbelieve God. I have one more point I want to make before we pray, and that is the importance of becoming God-conscious instead of self-centered. We're talking about knowing God today. Here is something that can hinder your knowing God. If you're self-centered, it can devastate your relationship with God. Let me explain. When we're self-centered, and this is common, this is even common in a strong believer, guys. That's why I'm sharing it. When we're self-centered, we're consumed with what's going on in ourself. When we're self-centered, we're consumed, we're obsessed with either the problem or our performance. And that's common. That's why I want to point it out. If, if the situation with, with the, the, the healing that you're needing or the, the symptoms that you're experiencing or the doctor's visits that you have to go to, when you're obsessed or so focused on all of that, you become self-centered. 
because you're centered on yourself. But the opposite is also true. We can become self-centered in our performance. I'm a healing teacher. We can be self-centered in, okay, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to, you know, spend time with God. I got to praise and worship. I got to, and, and instead of looking at Jesus and his finished work, we can be self-centered looking at our own works. And then it gets back into religiosity. It's not about our works. It's about God's work, his finished work. Self-centeredness is a form of pride. And it can be, when we think of pride, we think of ourselves being better than everyone else. But it can also be looking at ourselves like we're worse than everybody else. We're still being self-centered. And it's still a form of pride. If you're looking at yourself and saying, I'm not worthy. Lord, I am not worthy. That is a lie. That is a lie. And it's not because you're great. It's because Jesus is great. And he paid the price with his blood, with his crucifixion. And if you say you're not worthy, it's as if saying, Jesus, you didn't do enough. It's a form of pride. You're focused on yourself instead of on what he did. So we need to become God conscious instead of self-centered. And what the Bible, the words, the terminology the Bible uses is that we need to deny ourselves. We've heard the term die to self. What does that mean? It's all in your notes. It means that we need to get our attention so much on someone else that we completely forget about ourselves. It means that our mind, our heart, becomes so focused on God and who he is and what he's done and what his promises say that we literally lose consciousness of ourselves. I experienced this. I've experienced it several times. But I will give you two examples, and they were both when I was in the midst of stage four cancer. When I fell in love with Lord 20 years ago, and I started developing my relationship with him, it was crazy how I could be in the middle of stage four cancer, and my whole focus was on God. It was like I had this new love that I'd never experienced and everything else paled in comparison, even cancer. And then a year ago, last year, when I was in the middle of my, my second healing journey from cancer, same thing. I would, I would spend time with God and he would overwhelm me every single day with his promises. Overwhelm me. And I got to the point where I was rejoicing in him. I wasn't even looking at the healing. The healing, the, the treatment... It wasn't even my focus. I was in this place of, of such closeness with him that I was God conscious and I lost consciousness of cancer and medical treatment and even the symptoms. And I would, you know, just be immersed in his presence, in worship and in praise. It, it didn't even make sense. When I even share it now, it's like, that doesn't even make sense. But I know what I experienced. This dying to self means our conscience is purged from dead works and feelings of guilt, condemnation, and inadequacy. It means sin consciousness erased. Works consciousness. Nope, it's not there. Because your eyes are on him 
and his finished work. Your eyes are on the cross, on the crucifixion, on the resurrection, on the stripes on his back, the crown of thorns on his head, the rejection that he took so I could be accepted, the love that he poured out. He demonstrated his love for me in this, that while I was still a sinner, he died for me. When your eyes are on that, that for the joy of obtaining the prize, he endured the cross. When your eyes are on that, you lose consciousness of everything else. Sin consciousness is gone. Works consciousness is gone. It means that we accept the fullness of our redemption through Christ, knowing that his work is more than enough. And it is finished. Philippians 3, verse 9, Paul said this. He said, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Remember Paul, he was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was the best law keeper among them. And he says, I no longer count my own righteousness on keeping the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. It's not about following the Ten Commandments. It's not about following the thou shalts and the thou shalt nots. It's about faith in what Jesus did. So now, because of that, because of what Jesus did, we have the potential, if we choose to let our hearts, let God in, we have the potential to be so God-conscious, so loved, so forgiven, so cleansed, that we are able to go to that throne of grace without any hindrances. Hebrews 4.16 says, so let us come boldly and confidently to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. When you are purged of self-consciousness and your eyes are on God, you can go to that throne of grace. You can go face to face to God, just like we sang at the beginning. God, I want to sit at your feet. I want, to, I want you to, to breathe your love into me. I want to just wrap myself in your presence. And we can. And when we do, God has his grace and his mercy to help us for whatever we need. So help us in the midst of the journey of healing. Help us when you go to the doctor. Help us when you're laying in the COVID pneumonia ward. Help us wherever you're at, whatever the situation is. He's there to help you and to give you the grace and mercy that you need. So what I would like to do in closing before we pray is I want to speak a blessing over you, a new year blessing over you in this whole um, treasure of knowing God more. So this is what I do when I'm in a position of receiving. I just hold my hands like this because I just say, God, I'm here. I'm open. I want to receive everything you have for me. So I am going to speak a blessing over all of us right now. So open your hands and get ready to receive. Father, bless these people that are here right now with their hands extended, ready to receive. Bless them with an intimate relationship with you. Bless them with abiding in you in a new way. And 
recognizing that you are abiding in them. Bless them with directing each and every path of their lives. Bless them, Lord, with recognizing you and knowing you and acknowledging you in every part of their lives. Lord, bless these people with minds and hearts that are so utterly God-conscious that they literally lose consciousness of themselves. Lord, bless your people. Bless these people with knowing your forgiveness, knowing your tender, loving care, knowing your approval and your acceptance of them. Lord, bless these people with knowing that you are always with them, you are for them, and you love them like crazy. And Lord, bless these people with knowing you more and more deeply and truly, and then making you known to everyone around them. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so get ready for an amazing new year. Get re um, ready for knowing God so much that everything else pales in comparison. That's what I want. I don't know about you, but that's what I want. Okay, we're going to sing one more song to God, and then we're going to have corporate ministry. So I know we've got just one new couple here. What we love to do is let Holy Spirit move. So we have, um, we're, again, we're going to position ourselves to surrender and let God be God because Jesus is number one. It's all about Jesus. So we're going to get our hearts prepared and then we're going to pray. We're going to let Holy Spirit move. I have already sought God and I have some words of knowledge I want to share and some prophetic words that I want to give. And our ministry team, we're just saying, okay, Holy Spirit, have at it. And we're going to pray for you and for your needs.